I got a really good because Florida tonight, Leon. Uh, yeah. And I think we're going to play a special game. We're going to play a special game where you guess the name of the man in the story. You pump? Oh, my gosh. Now I'm excited. You're going to be really good at this game. I can tell. <laughs> Let's do it. Rock and roll. Let's just jump right to Florida. Podcast. I am your host, Danny Paul, affectionately referred to as the Marquis de Maricopa. I like to give lots of interesting intros to my co-hosts. I've never actually given one myself, though I am the Marquis for your listening pleasure. With me tonight <laughs> is the Baron of Bourbon, the Regent of Rage, the Roy Kent of Rancho Santa Margarita. Here's Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thursday, Danny. Happy Thursday, Leon. You know, when you do two in a row, then you know it's it, we're we're back on. You know, it's it's like this whole flirting. Are we in recession? Not in recession? Well, if you haven't had two or three quarters in a row, it's not a recession. The show's back. Once we did two, three in a row, boom. Yeah, about that. Uh, I'm gonna be out next week. God, <laughs> dang it, Bobby! I'm gonna go to the humidity capital of the world, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Goddamn motherfucking Myrtle Beach. So you go right to humidity. I go to golf. I go to golf. That is the golf capital. I believe we are planning on golfing, although I'm not sure the weather wants to participate because we're expecting thunderstorms up and down all weekend. Uh, But it's a bitchin' house. It's right on the coast. And uh, it's going to be about 23 people because we're looking at a complete family reunion. Wife's entire oh, wow. family. Yep. And you know, it, should you need a support group to get through that, we're all here for you. Well, I, and I believe what, that I will have some brown because the men in this family like to drink just as much as I do, and so I'm oh. I'm anticipating some very fun and uh, interesting nights. Good for you. That's Speaking awesome. Brown, what are you rocking tonight, sir? I am going with Weller Special Reserve. It's the one in the green bottle. It, uh, it's, if you can get it, get it and get it. It's one of the best. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, one of those ones that, uh, you, if they're on the shelf and anybody knows what they're doing, they're going to grab it because it's way underpriced for the quality uh, of bourbon. That it is. Stitson Weller distillery. Well, I mean, it's from Buffalo Trace. So, for those of you that aren't paying attention to what Leon's trying to throw down, as well as the same recipe as Pappy, this is correct. Which, by the way, I've tried finally, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Is amazing. it as amazing as the secondary market makes it out to be? And I mean, it, no, I would never spend a thousand dollars for it. Yep. Is it a very good quality bourbon? And if somebody offers it to you, you take it. That's Lots of hype, although it is delicious. But what I know of the Van Winkle family, and I've said this before on a previous podcast, based on a book that I read called Pappyville, 
they like mm-hmm. to drink Pappy Van Winkle on the rocks with a twist. Which a lot of people might be really upset by that. But again, these are the guys that made it from the Holy Grail family of bourbon. So maybe you might want to uh, reconsider what you think fancy is. Just saying. <laughs> what are you drinking I myself, today? <clears throat> I am celebrating a very important milestone this week, Leon. What do you think that is? Um, let's see here. Uh, 40th show? 50th I show? am celebrating one more year around the sun, my friend. Today's your birthday? No, not today, but I did have it this week. And I will be celebrating. And I didn't even say happy birthday to you. Well, I knew I would see you tonight. I'm not mad at you. I'm the worst friend. God damn you, Siri. You let me down. Because Mr. Jones did not send me any message and he's not here. So he can hear this when it gets published. I cannot, you know, I am ashamed. Um, I think, I think after this, when we go back and post, I would really like you to play the shame from Game of Thrones, and I deserve it. Shame. Shame. You know why I could have never believed it was your birthday this week is because you look younger. You look younger you know today. Yeah, you know it is. Somehow. You know what my wife said when she found out it was my birthday? right you're not fooling anybody there's no way that's what (laughs) no she didn't say that she said something a little bit more along the lines of what would you say you do here exactly that's more that's more one day and then i want you back out there doing work (laughs) i gotta tell you though no man has ever been yelled at while vacuuming look it up (laughs) science science i am uh i am sipping my my favorite lovely Johnny Blue tonight because it's a special occasion. That is so, a good pour. Nice pour for you. Nice pour for me. It's a nice night. We're filming. Uh, filming. <laughs> for those of you out there, no, there is no video component. We are recording on the 14th of July. It is a Thursday. We are gearing up for those of you that are longtime Brown Bulletin listeners. We are going to be doing our Brown Bracket. Now, I'm very sorry that we took three months off. And for those of you that are loyal listeners that are probably wondering what happened since April 13th, it's just a matter of things getting in the way. So, uh, you know, life happens. So we took a couple months off. We're going to come back uh, in two weeks, I guess, when I get back from Myrtle Beach, uh, you know, and you take care of your stuff and Mr. Jones comes back and everybody's got stuff going on. But we're going to get back and we're going to do Brown Bracket Round 2. Summer edition. (laughs) Summer edition. The pandemic delayed everything. <laughs> anyway, that's what it is. But now that we're done talking about Brown, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Tonight's brown news comes to us from an old favorite, whiskey advocate, friend of the show, future appetizer. It's dated <laughs> April 26th because most of our stuff is kind of backdated while we try and re-kick off the show and move into our episode 61 tonight, Leon. 
61. Gosh. Right. That's right. Is it, what is the, uh, the jewel or, you know, when you get married, there's some kind of element you're supposed to give. I wonder what 60 is. Oh, the, uh, well, like the wedding anniversary. Yeah. 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 You're going to have to look that one up for me. But I do All know right. that one of the podcast milestones is 50, which we did cover. And uh, now mm-hmm. we got to get to 100. And I think we'll do something special for our 100th episode. But tonight is episode number 61. We're going to kick it off with the Whiskey Advocate, four foolproof whiskey and mezcal cocktails, Leon. Which Not we like. Big fans of the show. Or mezcal, whiskey, and mezcal. Fans of the show know that we do like both because both are... Smoky Browns, even though most mezcals you're going to run into are actually clear, doesn't matter, still qualifies. The article begins with a base of charred agave. Mezcal is delightfully smoky, much like many whiskeys, and fans of either will find plenty to like in both spirits. Mezcal and whiskey each have a great depth of flavor that enhances a cocktail and even more so when paired together, said Carlos Batista, food and beverage director at Landris in the Thompson Hotel in San Antonio, Texas. And you only need a couple of simple mixers such as honey and lemon juice to tie it all together. Batista notes that pretty much any style of whiskey will mix well with smoky, vegetal, earthy mezcal. Would you, rest- would you describe mezcal as vegetal? Liam? No, I don't think I've ever described anything as vegetal. That makes it sound worse. V-E-G-E-T-A-L, vegetal, vegetal. Anyway, we'll look it up. I'm not going to eat that anymore. Batista continues, a wheat, wheat, Leon, wheat, a wheat whiskey is great because it tends to be milder, drier, and at times fruitier, so it doesn't overpower or compete with the mezcal. Bourbon's notes of vanilla toffee, caramel, and oak pair beautifully with mezcal, but a great rye, also fantastic, as it can add some spicier notes to the cocktail. And the smoke notes of a peated scotch mingle nicely with the agave smoke of mezcal. Mix the two together, and it creates four different layers of smoke, all yeah. unique. Danny, you're so good at voices. Hot damn. I would have I loved to hear you attempt that as the most interesting man in the world because that's the way that this is reading oh all right this is what he would drink well the article goes on to achieve balance in a whiskey and mezcal cocktail batista suggests pairing a lighter whiskey with a smokier mezcal or vice versa but at the end of the day it's really about personal preference there it is there it is so without further ado leon let's throw into these four recipes that homeboy Batista, the most interesting man in San Antonio, throws down. I like that he's <laughs> got simple mixers here because this is interesting. Although, I got to throw a caveat out here. One of these recipes I'm not too down with, but this is important that you and I talk about it because there are things okay. that you like that I don't. And I think you might see where I'm going. Mm-hmm. First one is the smoked lavender flour. Mm-hmm. That's an ounce and a half wheat, wheat whiskey a half ounce of mezcal, three-quarter ounce warmed lavender honey, and a half ounce of fresh lemon juice. Who? Where would one get warmed lavender honey? That's a good question. I mean, lavender honey, but warmed? Once you put it in the microwave. Yeah. Mm. Shake all ingredients with ice until... See, you put it in the microwave, and then you you shake it with ice. I don't know. It gets thrown out on principle. 
Mm-hmm. Double rocks glass garnished with lavender flower or lemon peel. Okay. I'm going to give this one three out of four. The I'm mezcal gonna... bourbon sour. You ready for this? Yeah. One ounce bourbon, one and a half ounce mezcal, three quarter ounce light agave nectar, and half ounce fresh lime juice, and and an egg white. Boom, boom, boom. How about no? <laughs> How about no, Scott? That's actually super popular. Where do you in come drinks? down on the egg white in a drink, man? Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. You know, I think it what it does is it make it especially if they shake it really good. It just, it makes it taste foamy more than anything else. It's almost like you're drinking foam. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I'm such a straight whiskey drinker that most mixed drinks I don't go for anyway. So uh, shake hard again for another 20, 30 seconds until the shaker is frosty. There you go. Strain into a coupe or martini glass and garnish with a lime twist. So I'm going to give that one four out of four, but again, to each his own. Let me ask you this, though. Do you respect Rocky? Do you respect um, what Rocky was able to accomplish? He drank raw eggs. Okay, Why can't so, you drink all them? All right, all right. So a couple raw eggs, and then I punch some meat. What's different from any other Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Okay. Another old-fashioned type. One-ounce blended scotch, one-ounce mezcal a quarter to a half ounce agave syrup and two to three dashes of bitters, orange bitters. That one sounds interesting. I mean, it's basically an old fashioned with a little bit of fashion with a little bit of mezcal in it, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it's like an old, old fashioned. I don't know what old fashioned in Spanish is viejo. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the final one, one. the one that's really interesting to me, this one is a half ounce of Tennessee whiskey a half ounce mezcal, an ounce of fresh pineapple juice, a half ounce of fresh lemon juice, and three quarter ounces simple syrup. Shake all ingredients with ice until well chilled. Strain into an ice-filled highball glass and garnish with a pineapple leaf. That one's, that one's top of the list for me. What about you? I'd like to try it. I wonder why they... It's almost like I would like to try that one with a couple different whiskeys just to try to understand why they pick the Tennessee whiskey over a scotch or a, or a bourbon, a smoky bourbon. Like, so what, why, was it about? what do you think the characteristics are of a, of a Tennessee whiskey are? Most people go straight to Jack Daniels, but what do you, what do you think Tennessee whiskey means? It's sharp. When I, when I taste a, a Tennessee whiskey, it's burning in your mouth. It's, it's got a real sharp edge to it's it. It's smooth like the song. No, it's not smooth. No, at least the ones when I think of Tennessee, I'm sure there are, just not when I think of a I, I standard Tennessee whiskey. That entire song, Liam. What if he, what, what if he's being sarcastic the entire time? What Ooh. if smooth as Tennessee whiskey is wrong? What if strawberry wine isn't sweet? I have to think about this. Mm. You know the one I'm talking about, the Chris Stapleton song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just telling her. Maybe he's just nagging her. What do you think? <laughs> just straight up singing a love song about how you're a piece of shit. What do you think? Wouldn't that like be the ultimate? Or he's just bragging, like I'm I'm such a I really badass drinker that I think it. that Tennessee is smooth because I've had so much of it. Um, it's a good song. It's a good song. 
Anyway, that one comes to us from the Whiskey Advocate. Like all episodes of the Brown Bulletin, we'll make sure we have these URL links in the show notes. You can follow along with us. But uh, without further ado, that will end us. No, wait, on. I'm not ready to move on yet. I would, right. like to, I would like to hear how you would make a combination if you had a perfect combination. Well, if we're assuming that our basic set of ingredients is going to be some form of syrup and some form of citrus juice, mm-hmm. then I like the agave syrup and I like the idea of a lime juice. So we're probably pretty close to the mezcal bourbon sour, although you add the egg white and I'm kind of disqualified. Mm-hmm. So I am very interested in the pineapple one because pineapple juice, I think, adds a very tart complexion that the simple syrup will balance out. But then the lemon juice is interesting to me. So why would you put pineapple juice and lemon juice unless you're going to add a bunch of simple syrup to balance that? Because to me, if you add all those extra flavors, it's probably to mask the Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. If, if I was to invent one with these two, I would like to do something of a cross between I would definitely get a bourbon, obviously, something super smoky. For sure. And then and then a mezcal that's got got some bite or sharp sharpness to it. And I would love to mix in ingredients that are key lime flavored. So there's sweetness, and then you got the lime in there. And because mezcal's in there, it'll almost come off like a key lime margarita. Well done, Leon. That's that's what I would do. I think I want one of those right now. Top them, top of my head. I should, I should write for the whiskey advocate. So what are we thinking then? We're thinking key lime. Mm-hmm. We're thinking little bourbon, little mezcal. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other ingredients in there? What's your, what's your sit? So your citrus is your key lime. What's your syrup? Um, I mean, I like simple syrup, but since agave seems to be here in a lot of these drinks, why waste the agave? Just keep the agave and throw that in there. I don't think you need much sweetness because if you have the right type of key lime, I don't know. I don't know how to, there, I've tried a couple key lime drinks. Well, I am I no bartender or mixologist. Honey in the first one, and then you've got yeah. agave and then you've got agave and then you've got simple syrup. So maybe it's adding some thickness to the drink. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Egg white. Egg white. Egg white. <laughs> Gummy bears. Oh, that's different. Okay. But you got to have something frosty, huh? I guess you need something like that if you want it to be more milkshakey. Maybe just add some Guinness or something or a porter. Yeah. Food for thought. All right. Anyway, let's talk about brown. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Tonight's business news comes to us from Wonderful Engineering. Wonderfulengineering.com. An A380 super jumbo jet just completed a flight powered by cooking oil. Unreal. Ready for this, Leon? Mm-hmm. Airbus A380, a behemoth of the skies, has just completed a trial flight powered on cooking oil, and the results are promising. A test airplane completed a three-hour flight from Blagnac Airport in Toulouse, nailed that, 
Airbus's mm-hmm. French headquarters on 25 March. It was powered by sustainable aviation fuel or SAF, majorly made of used cooking oil and waste fats and operating on a single Rolls-Royce Trent 900 engine. Airbus then followed up with a second A380 flight using the same cooking oil fuel on March 29th, flying from Toulouse to Nice. Second flight was to monitor SAF use during takeoff and landing. The fuel was supplied by Total Energies, a company based in France's Normandy region. It was made from hydro-processed esters and fatty acids, HAFA, which are free of both aromatics and sulfur. Sounds like hecha hecha water. So did it say that it was operating on one engine? That's what it says. Is that what it said? Single. Holy crap. Single Rolls-Royce Trent 900. Well, again, Toulouse to... I mean, Toulouse to Nice is is not a pretty extensive flight. I mean, it's maybe an hour. Oh, they said it took three hours. Bounced to Toulouse by two or three hours by train, so it's not uh, it's not a very long flight, and it's within country. And for those of you that are not aviation geeks, the the Airbus 380, the A380 is by far the, the largest That's passenger out there. It has four engines. Each one of these engines. The whole, I guess, for lack of a better term, is so big, you can fit a double-decker bus inside of it. That's how big this plane is. It's massive. It's a double-decker airplane. So instead of having that bump, like the the famous-looking 747 that everyone's seen, that big plane with the bump on the top where you could, you know, the infamous uh, first class. Yeah. This thing has an entire another row of that and when this thing came out it they the infrastructure waiting for it had to be built because it's so big that the taxiways couldn't hold its weight this thing can hold six seven hundred people at a time have you ever gotten off a plane where there's like 150 people and you're like waiting forever for your bags mm-hmm. and you're the person sitting at the wait at the end of the plane, like, please help me get off. Multiply that by six, trying to figure out how you're going to logistically deal with this airplane. And uh, there's only a couple of airports at first that could even handle it. And so there was a lot of infrastructure that had to go in. That's how big this airplane is. Well, and the fact that not only is it running side, on this. They've got to have multiple jetways, don't they? Oh yeah, most of them do now. Like if if you're gonna board uh, a A380, you definitely have multiple jetways because it would take forever. The boarding process alone, the check-in process alone. When you have six or seven hundred people showing up at the same time to check in for a flight, it's a, it's a nightmare. So they have to like throw armies to be waiting for <laughs> this plane to take off because it's just too much at once. But spectacular airplane and the fact that this thing flew on one engine considering the size of it on biofuel pretty amazing airbus has been testing the use of saf powered flights for the last year with an a350 being tested in march of 2021 currently airbus aircraft can be powered by up to 50 percent saf blended with traditional kerosene so this wasn't a full-on you still think you can do it with one engine I don't know. I assume that this thing can do anything on one engine, but increasing the use of SAF remains a key pathway to achieving the industry's ambition of net zero carbon emissions by 2050, said Airbus in a statement. The company claims that flying planes on SAF could net between 53 to 71% of the carbon reductions required to meet that goal. And, and Leon, 
This aircraft is expected to be launched by 2035. Hmm. When's Musk going to get involved? When's he going to build an electric airplane? There's also an Airbus's giant plane would be pressed into service to test an experimental hydrogen-powered engine. Another innovation <laughs> aimed at making flying less environmentally harmful. Well, we know what happened the last time. I was just going to well, say, we- I don't know who's ready to get on uh, Air Hindenburg anytime soon. Well, here's the fun part about this article, Leon, is it's dated April 1st. Oh, that is funny. Did we get fooled? We might have gotten fooled. Although Mm. they usually say this is an April Fool's joke at the end of the article, and this article neglects to have that information in it. So I'm thinking to myself, there are literally going to be A380s flying across the French countryside on one engine with 50% fat. Rolling around in the edge. Finally, America is going to get an edge again. <laughs> Sustainable. That is a natural resource we have lots of. Majorly made of used cooking oil and waste fat. It's fat, Lois. They put cooking oil and fat in the plane. I mean, we we have reached a new level of awesome. Uh, what was that thing running on? Fat. Fat. Fifty oh. percent fat, to be precise. <laughs> Right out of Quahog Airport. Oh my God, that's awesome! Worthy, <clears throat> worthy of celebration, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Good that's uh, that's business for tonight. Let's get to your favorite. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Tonight's crank file comes to us from science.org. Science. Trust it. Just trust it. The headline reads, fish can learn basic arithmetic. Cichlids and stingrays can add and subtract small numbers. Cichlids. That's right, Leon. Cichlids. 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 Cich- How is it? Cichlid. Cichlids. Cichlids, like a really cool hat. Mm-hmm. Those are those, uh, they're aggressive fish. Uh, when you go to the pet store, you can't put them with other fish because they'll whoop their ass. Really? Mm-hmm. And they can do math. I believe they come out of Lake Titicaca. Oh, I, I might be. For sure. I might be right. This one is not dated April 1st, for those of you that are probably keeping score. Uh, the article begins, addition and subtraction must be hard for fish, especially because they don't have fingers to count on. Ha, ha, ha. But they can do it. They got fingers. with small numbers. A new study reveals. By training the animals to use blue and yellow colors as codes for the commands add one and subtract one, Respectively, researchers showed fish have the capacity for simple arithmetic. Hmm. To make the find, researchers at the University of Bonn adopted the design of a similar experiment conducted with bees. They focused on bony cichlids and cartilaginous stingrays, which the lab uses to study fish cognition. Okay. In the training phase, the scientists showed a fish in a tank, an image of up to five squares, circles, and triangles that were all either blue or yellow. The animals had five seconds to memorize the number and color of the shapes, then a gate opened, and the fish had to choose between two doors, one with an additional shape and the other with one fewer shape. The rules were simple. If the shapes in the original image were blue, head for the door with one extra shape. If they were yellow, go for the door with one fewer Choosing the correct door earned the fish a food reward. 
pellets for cichlids and earthworms, shrimp, or mussels for the stingrays. Only six of the eight cichlids and four of the eight stingrays successfully completed their training, but those that made it through testing performed well above chance, the researchers report today in scientific reports. There's the can do math, Leon, beginning of the end. <laughs> Fish are actually pretty amazing. And, you know, those cichlids, uh, and I was looking it up while you were talking. Awesome name. I, was I was wrong Big on the, Ned, uh, bro. the lake. Lake Malawi is where the most of them, there's 850 different species there. Not, not These things, yeah, these things are gnarly because if you put a ton of them in your tank, then they're cool with each other because it's like they're overload. There's so many, they don't know how to fight each other. But if you only put a couple in there it turns into battle royale and they like build forts with like, the, like with the gravel yeah oh yeah oh yeah there can be only one and Big. they will take each other out it's awesome if you're into that kind of thing i mean i don't know why the bait has got the uh, fighting fish name when Wait, time, out, time out who isn't in the highlander fish <laughs> no one, I want one left to like lightning hit the tank and shit and it's, it is pretty much like that. It's amazing. We'll have to perform an experiment. Yeah. I, but it's, it's heartbreaking because you fall in love with these fish and you're like, oh, no, little Jimmy's down. Doesn't look good. And I tried to like put more in there uh, to like beef it up. But as soon as you put other ones in there, introduce them in the tank, they're like, you don't know what you just came into, bud. And they just take them out like together, like tag team anybody that's new and then go back to fighting each other. So, so the zoologist that leads the study is named Vera Schlüssel. Probably Vera is probably the German. Uh, she said, many people think that they're really stupid, fish in general. They actually do have personalities, and they also can learn quite complex tasks. There you go. See? Vera's, Vera's backing you up. Don't. Your fish ain't stupid. They aren't stupid. They just don't care about the same shit you care about. Obviously not. No. They want that food. They have a different strategy for dealing with small numbers that allows them to memorize and manipulate specific values. Certainly didn't blow my mind that they're capable of doing it, said Cullen Brown, a behavioral ecologist at Macquarie University, <laughs> who is not involved in the study. That's a good well, The fact that they could separate these two strategies out was really cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's gnarly. That's, it's ecology. a cool article, honestly. I, I, I would love to see more experimenting with these fish. Speaking of fish, and I'm going to go on a mini rant here. Is it, <laughs> is it Shark Week right now? Uh, I thought Shark Week was. I don't know. August. One, one of the things I, one of my streaming are they, channels. Are they really Shark Week anymore? Or is it what happened if a shark grew legs and took over a town? Let's show well, a cheesy good. graphic instead of what we're supposed to be showing you. I don't know, but one of the streaming ones had a bunch of shark stuff and I'm watching one on hammerheads and they, they're like, the, the fishermen around here say there's lots of hammerheads here. So we're going to put down a bunch of baskets and, with cameras and see if we can get one out before we decide to start fishing for them so that we can tag them. I'm like, just, just fish for them. Like, listen to the fishermen. They, they're probably right. And they spent like three days trying to get one on a camera before they decided, yeah, I think they are here. <laughs> you wasted three days stupid get out there get a damn line in the water and then and then within like they caught like one or two and then 
then they're like, well, there's not enough here. Let's go to another spot where they didn't experiment or do any of those pictures. So I think they just try to pull that crap to make it seem like they're much more scientific than they are. But if you're fishing for sharks, the only way to catch one is by putting a hook and bait in the water, not going around with cameras trying to find if there's any evidence of them. Yeah, there's evidence. The fucking fisherman right down the corner just said, yeah, I just caught one there yesterday. Dipshit, go over there. Sounds like they're running out of uh, ideas. Yeah. Uh, the article finishes up. Other animals, including parrots and bees, have demonstrated a similar aptitude for working with numbers. Despite not having the brain structures humans rely on for cognition, they manage to match our basic arithmetic skills. So says Fräulein Schlüssel. Hmm. And uh, that wraps up the crank file. Let's get to because Florida. Because Yes, I am so excited. The guessing game is about to begin. There's a really bitchin' lightning storm going on outside here in Phoenix, Leon. It's exciting. Oh, awesome. All right. It's monsoon season. Tonight's because Florida comes to us from Fox 35 Orlando. W-O-F-L. Man tried to outrun Florida law enforcement on a riding lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> comes to us from the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office. This is All the right. most Florida go, thing Leon. I've ever seen. What is his name? All right, let's see. Okay, let me see his picture. Okay. He's got like a he doesn't have a mullet. I was expecting a mullet. No mullet. All right. But he does have party in the front. All right. Uh how many guesses do I get? I'll give you I'll give you three. Give me three. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with this fairly common type name. He, uh, Gil. Gil. He looks Gil, like a Gil, Gil, Gil to me. Uh, no? He's from Destin. Okay. All uh, right. He's from the Panhandle. All right. What do we know about him? We know, we know he's white. Uh, we know he likes to ride his lawnmower. That's probably his pride and joy. 40 years old. Uh, okay. He's 40 years old. Um, he, he's obviously brilliant because he successfully avoided law enforcement <laughs> earlier in the year. Well, yeah, that this um, was the first attempt. So I, we should probably give the guy yeah. a little bit of credit. A Florida man who successfully avoided law enforcement earlier this year by reportedly jumping off a boat into a swamp was unsuccessful in his latest venture after he attempted to outrun deputies on a lawnmower. So he's in trouble with the law since the day he was born. Okay. So he's a swamp guy. Okay. Ooh, that that does change things. Yes, it does, um, doesn't it? Um, ooh, is it is it a is his name uh, Jeb or Jedediah? No. Okay. And I'm gonna uh, give you a freebie. It's not Cooter. Oh, it's not Cooter. <laughs> um, or Bo, or Luke, or Jesse. <laughs> is it, is it a common name, uh, uh, or is it something? It's a nickname. Let's say that. Although, yeah, I guess you could it's name a, somebody this name, but it's typically, I've seen it typically as a nickname. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Cletus. No, not Cletus. All right, one more, real ah, quick. Uh, Earl. 
Hello, my name is Earl. That's what he looks like to me. He looks like an Earl, doesn't he? He's got that handlebar mustache. Oh, that's so yeah. The Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, located in the Florida Panhandle near Destin, said in a news release shared on its Facebook page that its deputies tried to serve 40-year-old Dusty Mobley. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. I would never Dusty guess that. Dusty Mobley. That is so perfect. I mean, that is the best. He was named correctly, everyone. I just want you to know that. Related to an investigation I, I let into you a all down. stolen boat. However, when deputies approached him, he reportedly dove off the side and disappeared into the swamp to avoid going to jail. This is the best part. Disappeared into the swamp. Five months later, <laughs> deputies showed up on Saturday morning to a house and attempted to arrest Mobley again. This time, he was reportedly on a John Deere riding lawnmower and put it into, quote, high gear and tried to outrun pursuing deputies, unquote. Let him live. That man is amazing. He's and a national he's used treasure. A on him, and he was eventually taken into custody. According to the release, he was booked into Okaloosa County Jail on several charges, including grand theft, grand theft of a vehicle, felony criminal mischief, resisting an <laughs> resisting an officer, <laughs> possession of a concealed weapon, carrying a concealed handcuff key. Oh, that's where the genius stops. This man uh, is a treasure. Yes. And possession of drug paraphernalia, among others. He got, he's got a handcuff key on him. Let me tell Anybody you something. who's ever watched any movie in the 80s or the 90s knows that any key opens any handcuff. If they put this man in The Rock, Sean Connery would have seeked him out. That's what I know. <laughs> Welcome to The Rock. Uh, Mobley is accused of using heavy machinery to cut a hole into a building on New Year's Day 2022 and steal a $40,000 boat from a nearby business earlier this year. He's being held in jail and no bond. Oh, Dude, I mean, fucking champ. Can we put this man in the same cell with the Tiger King? And I think, oh, I think magic will happen. Yeah, It'll I mean, be it, a fairly odd couple. Like we could have a sitcom out of these this two. This guy's impressive. He cut a hole in a building big enough to steal a $40,000 boat. Yeah. Bruh. 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 Amazing. I love Mr. Mobley. Mr. Dusty Mobley. Dusty Mobley of Okaloosa County. And that is because (laughs) Florida. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years. It's the mileage. Tonight's parenting comes to us from Popular Science. If that sounds familiar from last episode, it's because our last one came to us from Popular Science. This seems to be a series in terms of tested guides for what to do with your kids for long durations of time. Today's episode is road trips. Remember, the journey is the destination. <laughs> I hope it says something right off the bat, like don't be a lazy parent and give him an iPad and not talk to him for six hours. Uh, doesn't look like it, but got to do what you got to do. No matter the distance, getting from point A to point B with a little one in tow is always its own unique travel challenge. I've trekked to the very ends of the earth through 28 of the 50 U.S. states and explored 14 countries with my now four-year-old 
And I always tell fellow parents that if you have what it takes to carefully plan and execute a successful family outing to a park on the other side of town, you can apply the same strategy to longer adventures with a young child in tow. Such multi-day excursions include the classic family road trip, which can be intimidating due to the logistics of planning mealtimes, sleep times, and activities to keep your kid entertained while away from the comfort of your home, not to mention all of the unknown variables that may arise. As someone who has logged thousands of miles with my little one across the continental U.S., including a cross-country drive, I have learned what it takes to keep young passengers active and engaged. Create the structure and stimulation your child craves. If you feel tired after a long day behind the wheel, consider your child's point of view because young kids have difficulty grasping the concept of time. Being in their seat for hours upon hours may frankly be boring and feel extremely long, says pediatrician Jen Trachtenberg, assistant clinical professor of pediatrics at the Icon School of Medicine, Mount Sinai, New York City, spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. That's because they don't have long attention spans and have a harder time entertaining themselves. Duh. Clearly. Activities are key because you can trick your child's brain into thinking the drive is shorter by taking the focus off the journey itself and keeping them occupied with things like games, looking for objects out the window, listening to music, singing songs, and sleeping. Our family's faithful standbys include a stack of picture books, lots of coloring supplies, building blocks and games, keeping our children busy with only one item at a time to maximize the novelty and thrill of each new form of entertainment. To break the trip into achievable segments, you can create a travel reward chart and offer your little one positive reinforcements, such as a gold star for every 15 minutes that pass. That is genius. Yes. Yep. The article continues, stick to your child's sleep routine as best you can. Everything's easier and more enjoyable when everyone in our family, adults included, are well-rested. That's why we make it a general routine to hit the road no earlier than our usual wake-up time and arrive at our final destination ahead of our toddler's regular bath time, story time, bedtime. We also try and factor naps into the equation. Maintaining sleep routines is huge. As most parents of small children know, skipped naps can cause your little one to get overtired, making it harder for them to fall asleep at night. Disrupted sleep routines can throw off their circadian rhythms, melatonin cycle, and body clock, creating jet lag in their brain, which can affect everything from their mood to their appetite and making you want to kill them. Are you, ter- are you is your two offspring car sleepers? That last part was ad-libbed. Yes. <laughs> uh, I never really had that. I mean, very rarely. It's an event. Well, did you play soft, soothing music and using window shades in the back to block out the sun? I mean, I play Nine Inch Nails as loud as possible. Is Sometimes, yeah, I mean, especially if you're ringing closer. <laughs> Let's think yeah. about this. Hurt might be a good one. Imagine yeah. if you're a little kid. I hurt myself. Yeah, this sucks. Well, maybe the Johnny Cash version, they would Ooh, fall right to sleep because he has a soothing voice. Deep cut. It's not always easy to find anything other than junk food on the road, so we've learned to pack things like yogurt, avocados, nuts, apples, string cheese, pretzels, hummus, and hard-boiled eggs. Hmm. Well, whatever works. This is in line with what both Trachtenberg and Shidi Kachinka recommend. Avoid it. Who's Shidi? Shidi was mentioned earlier in the article. No? No? 
We're just supposed to know who Shidi is. Ah, well, Shidi, Shidi Kerchink is a childhood educator and author of the books Raising Your Spirited Baby, Raising the Spirited Child, and Sleepless in America. Anyway, hmm. both of them, awesome ladies, recommend avoiding sugary foods and drinks, junk food, and caffeine. These can cause a variety of problems, including sleep disruption, stomach pain, bloating, and... Yes. Who's giving their kids caffeine in a car ride? Somebody's Who's giving their kids caffeine anyway? Hold on. Time out. Time out. My kids have taken a fondness to iced tea very recently. So I guess that's technically me. That is. Yeah, you're bad. I am. I'm a horrible parent. On the other hand, snacks that offer a mix of proteins, healthy fats, fiber, and complex carbs can help regulate your little one's mood and blood sugar levels. But be careful to Mm. avoid having your young kids under the age of five eating in a moving vehicle, which is a choking hazard. Those are the mm. bad parents. I'm actually a little bit frustrated on all the added protections that are out there now for kids. I just feel like we've gone completely benoodles overkill. Sounds like you got uh, loathe cooking. Well, I, I do, but for another day. But, you know, you talk to our parents and, you know, a seatbelt for them was their dad's hand over their Mm. their chest when when they hit the brakes and now it's to the point where you're you're in car seats until you're you're 18 i think i think that's the safest facing backwards because you know there was this one time that it would have helped one person i'm sure some of the things they say to avoid are popcorn chips carrots nuts seeds peanut butter they just said nuts well 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 they said proteins healthy fats what else we got I, I saw nuts up there. Oh, yeah. They do say nuts. What the pack fuck? Nuts. Don't pack nuts. What is this? I'm Oprah? confused. You just fucking told us. I am, I am in shock. Concept. How did the editor not catch this? Drink cheese, pretzels, nuts. Carrots, nuts, seeds. Carrots! What? This reminds me a lot of how they change the car seat regulations every two years. And so yes. Have the kid face backwards. Now they don't face backwards. Now they do face backwards. Right. Say so you don't know. Give your kid peanut butter early. Don't give them peanut butter early. Yeah, give them peanut butter early. You're you're doing the hokey pokey. What am I supposed to do here? Well, we, you know, there was a a study in Sweden that uh, one person did. Uh, here's a real deal, though. Uh, motion sickness for real. We're gonna jump on a plane in two days to go to. Myrtle Beach, and my 10-year-old has issues with motion sickness, even in a plane. No kidding. That's, That's too bad. People. That's screens. You just let them watch a screen too long. But what are you going to do? How do you – tell me this, uh, child psychologists out there who are experts in their field, what do you do with a 10-year-old on a plane? You're going to strap him in a chair yeah. for five hours? You know, I've seen these motion sickness wristbands that have been coming out. Yeah, we're going to get them. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get them. I just, I kind of, I got the Lewis Black fingers going. For five hours, you're going to send a ten-year-old on a plane, and you're going to expect him not to explode like Chernobyl. What's going on with this world? <laughs> so true, so true. Especially if they get sick. I mean, nobody wants to see that. We, you know, you're, you're two or, or, or at a great age now where you don't have to constantly bark at them mm-hmm. or like, well, you could say, Hey, don't kick the seat in front of you and more than normal. Probably yeah, stop. You, you do have to kind of put the fear of God in your children before you get on the plane. Like we're going to be in a large metal tube 
with about 170 other strangers and they don't like you. So the number one thing you don't want to do is make them angry. And if you think that we're going to protect you when they cannibalize you, it's not true. They're going to open the but, door and they're going to throw you out at 30,000 feet. But also, I will say that uh, my little one made me so proud when she was two and we were on a flight, five hour flight. I was really nervous about the whole flight. The person in front of us was ripping horrible, horrible farts. <laughs> and and oh and do she looks at me dad did you fart no i didn't fart mommy did you fart no nope. everyone's laughing somebody farted and like every time calling it out like this person in front of us that kept ripping farts like she's not wrong and i know you can hear her so you know if you gotta go take a shit you know you know where the bathroom is but do us See, all a favor here that's when the mouths of babes is a good thing because they're throwing it yeah. out there and it's like what are you what are you, are you gonna go after the two-year-olds no you're the asshole that's right keep it together that's right you know that, those are the social norms that i'm disappointed that we've you know sanded out of our normal lifestyles oh, no. like Cheers i wish we there. could be that let, yeah. let the little one call out and violate the social norms. Let, let the, let the two-year-olds be the Larry David of our lives. <laughs> she curbed their enthusiasm, didn't she? Oh, uh, well, I will tell you something. The farting eventually stopped. <laughs> we'll have to, so, right? Cause everybody's looking around going, well, the two-year-olds oh, it out. people are laughing. They're like anybody around us that had a fart probably got up and walked and farted somewhere else. Cause they didn't want to deal with the two-year-old yeah, calling them out. They got really nasty air compressors in there. The article finishes up, no matter how much preparation you do, you may not feel up to going the same distances you would travel on your own or in the company of other adults or older children. And that's okay. But if you have the time, stretching the trip out can add to the adventure and create even more family memories together. That wraps up parenting. Leon, are you ready? Danny. I am ready. That's right. It's time for Leon Lowe's. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. Where's my favorite store to shop? Where's your favorite store to shop? Costco. Be honest. Costco. Costco has done so many things that are wonderful. And I think what everybody is thinking in the back of their mind is the samples, right? <laughs> it's brilliant. No, the samples, go for it. the samples was a brilliant marketing campaign. They, they hired these people and I'm sorry if I'm insulting any of the magic 50 out there, but I'm, I'm going to shred them in this. Yeah. I'm characteristically old, aren't they? Well, they're, they are, I just don't know. I don't know that they've ever succeeded in anything in life. Um, and this is their last bastion of hope to become a productive part of society. And, and some of them just can't be, you know, there was a, there was a time uh, that uh, triple B was in one waiting patiently for whatever was coming out. I want to say they were pot stickers or something like that. And when finally, you know, they came out, and she was putting them on this tray. She reached to grab one and she smacked her hand. 
like I am not done placing them on trail. Sample people slapped her hand. Yes. Oh. (laughs) So that was a horrible situation. But tonight, what I'm really, I really want Costco to take a good hard look at this program again because I feel like it's fallen off the rails. It used to be exciting and fun because. They would be introducing new things, new products, new things that they want to be pushing, something that they have a lot of, maybe something you haven't tried. That's the fun part. You go around like, oh, hmm, I, I don't know that I've had a prosciutto, you know, cut off of a, a live lamb looking at me, you know, whatever they're doing, right? They're they're doing something very unique or it's yes, I need a new a half kind a shot of Pedialyte. Yes. Yes. I, well, I can't even tell you the last time I had Pedialyte. I got to try this. I, I need a Tweety Bird. I need a Tweety Bird. I'm not shitting you. The last time (laughs) I went there, it was the worst showing of products out there I'd ever seen. One of them was, I'm not kidding you, Ritz crackers. Like, who hasn't had a fucking Ritz cracker in their life? Why, Why are you giving samples of Ritz crackers? Who hasn't had this? Macaroni, I'm sorry, Kraft macaroni and cheese. And, and people are actually like, hmm, no, what is this? Yeah, you know what the fuck it is. It's fucking Kraft macaroni and cheese. Everyone knew what it was when they walked by. If you didn't know what that was macaroni and cheese, get out of the store. You're an American. They even had um, Capri Sun juice out. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You have a whole aisle of juice that probably 80% of them I've never tried before. But you're putting Capri Sun out here trying to sell Capri Suns as if nobody's ever had them before it, it, it has fallen off the rails, Danny, and we need <laughs> to get it back on <laughs> Costco. You listen to me, Costco, you need to get out there. It, no, no, you have to get out there. No, no. Look, the lady slapped my hand, but the Ritz cracker had a dip that we would never, ever try without the Ritz cracker. And we like the Ritz cracker. So that is a win. No. And then what was the other one? I don't, I don't need your. Uh, so what's your other one? What was the other? No, none of these. No. What, was, what was the other one? What was the win? No. Yeah. The macaroni and cheese. Tell us about Monica Lewinsky. It wasn't just craft. They didn't have craft. Yes, they had craft macaroni and cheese last time I was there. Yeah, well, Bell loves it. So. Well, that's not that's lunch that's lunch <laughs> that's where sometimes people go for lunch triple b everyone yeah, yeah. but yeah, there's the another show. one there's another one that i refute i refute <laughs> with everything in my heart because costco samples are the best no even if Mo- the old no. ladies are bitches yeah they, even if they are because they don't work for costco. they need to rein it in they don't that work is for the costco. point of this. costco can't control the old lady bitches but everything they did <laughs> always was something we would always want to try and bell loves them. i have a new loaf when you're when you're doing something and your wife chimes in and uh, takes That's takes her <laughs> segment, it's not a, it's not how about that? Find a good brand. Yeah, they don't sample those at Costco enough. Don't don't shit on Costco. It's my favorite place in the world. I'm not shitting on Costco. <laughs> I'm shitting on their terrible, terrible sample. Delivery program. So much show tonight, Liam. So much <laughs> show. <laughs> so clearly, I uh, sparked sparked a lot of frustration out there. Maybe the so. magic thirty. 
Yeah. So uh, I, next I time, that, uh, next time any of the Bobs go out to Costco, I want you to pay particular attention to those serving samples and remind them you're here for my benefit. Let's get to uh, let's get to bottom of the bottle. This bitch is empty. Yeet. Nice bottom of the bottle was a very interesting one that I found. When a cleaning product says it kills 99.99% of germs, it means that it kills 99.99% of germs on a list specified by the manufacturer. Hmm. Let that sink in. Nine out of 10 dentists, nine out of the 10 dentists we chose for our study. And all that really means, people, is they chose a thousand germs and one of them they couldn't kill. Are there a thousand germs in the world? Hard. There are millions. <laughs> Shit is bullshit. Shit is wrong. <laughs> you speak the truth. That's, uh, that's our show, Liam. Well, Danny, I'm glad you got to the bottom of the bottle because I am now at the bottom of the bottle. I'm at the bottom of my glass as well. But this was a really good show. So much show tonight. We're going to take two weeks off for all you bobs out there. And we're going to come back, hopefully, with Mr. Jones and the first round of our summer brown bracket. That's our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Give us a phone call, 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, Mr. Jones. We'll play it on the air. Give us ideas for content or refute anything that we say on the show. Keep us honest. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, share with a friend. We are on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a drink with us next episode. Same brown time, same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>